Hello, fellow planeswalker, and welcome to Into the Ether Vortex. My name is Ninja Boy, your guide into all the different ways you can enjoy Magic the Gathering and how they all come together into something wild, wacky, and a little bit magical. So hope everyone is enjoying December, the final month of the Jumanji game that is 2020. Uh, before we get to the meat of the episode, just some housekeeping. Uh, this is actually going to be the last episode of Into the Ether Vortex for this year, as I'll be taking a podcast break during the holiday season, since otherwise this episode would come out on Christmas Day. I don't think anyone wants to deal with that. Uh, so I'll also be slightly adjusting the release schedule in January. Uh, normally we release on the second and fourth Fridays of each month. Uh, since January 1st is technically the first Friday of next month, uh, we'll have five Fridays in January. Um, I'll actually be pushing uh, Into the Ether Vortex back to release on the third and fifth Fridays, uh, the 15th and the 29th. I'm still putting together exactly what I'm going to be doing next episode, but the episode on the 29th is going to be my usual look at the cards from Kaldheim that I want to add to my decks uh, before resuming our normally release schedule on on the second and fourth Fridays in February. Uh, so hope everyone has a great break. Uh, but in the meantime, we have this episode to get to. So let's hop right in. As you can probably tell by the episode title, I'm doing one of my EDH deck techs, specifically looking at my Admiral, Admiral Beckett Brass Pirate Tribal EDH deck. Uh, Commander Legends, of course, has given us a lot of updates to this deck, um, about 20 new pirate cards by my count in total, um, and I'm adding about 13 of them to the deck or so. Um, for this deck tech, I'll actually take the opportunity to examine the cards I'm taking out of the deck and why, uh, since I actually haven't done that for any of my, uh, of my deck techs yet. Um, as well as also looking at cards from Commando Legends that weren't quite good enough to make the cut into the deck. Um, a quick reminder on how I build EDH decks, um, as opposed to the conventional template that content creators like the Command Zone or the Professor recommend, I instead opt to go all in on flavor or mechanical identity and maximize those at the expense of things like card draw or interaction or ramp that's out of flavor, um, with a specific focus on trying to include as many legendary creatures as possible in the deck. Um, I'll also focus primarily on modern flame cards, so older cards may not appear as much in the deck tech, and I usually title them to 36 lands and 64 spells. So, you know, the my private tribal deck is actually one that came about during, as you can probably guess, Exelon block. I actually ended up building one deck for each of the four tribes represented in the Exelon block. Uh, Blue-green merfolk, Naya dinosaurs, uh, white-black vampires. So white-black vampires kind of got co-opted into Mardu vampires with Edgar Markov. Uh, and of course, uh, Grixis pirates, um, who one of the main uh, draft, uh, one of and one of the main draft tribes uh, from the Exelon block. Um, and the commander is is, of course, coming from the excellent block, uh, Admiral Beckett Brass. Um, it's he's the, kind of the go-to pirate commander for good reason um, on EDH deck with over 1,200 decks using uh, using her as the commander and she covers the three main modern, the three colors that modern pirates have been printed in, uh, blue, black, and red. Uh, to give context on for the rest of the deck, uh, see for one blue, black, and red mana on a 3-3 body, uh, she gives us a lord effect for all vampires, granting everyone plus one, plus one. Beyond that, at the end of our end steps, he gives us control of target non-land permanent controlled by a player who has dealt damage by three or more combat damage by three or more pirates this turn. Now, in the first iteration of this deck, I didn't really focus on the second part of the text box. I really just focused on getting as many pirates into the deck as possible and pirate flavorful cards. However, with more recent pirates kind of growing the available pool, I can now kind of 
specialize my focus down uh, to specifically what I'm looking for. Um, and that's not, not just Commander Legends. Other sets have, have here and there added pirates. So you know, I, find, I find it more and more easy to take advantage of that second ability. And so I build my deck with a little bo- bit more focus towards getting evasive pirates or effects that remove blockers to make it easier for me to get three pirates in to deal combat damage. Um, since Beckett Vast favors having a lot of attacking pirates, naturally one of the mechanics from Ixalan block tied to pirates raid plays into this deck. Um, the ability word is basically a marker that if I have attacked this turn, I get an additional benefit from the spell or ability. Uh, the other mechanical through line through the deck tied to pirates are the now deciduous treasure tokens. These are artifact tokens that are created that can be tapped and then sacrificed to generate one man of any color. This kind of fits in for both ramp as well as color color fixing as well. Um, however, I like to play, you know, as a pirate would, right? Kind of a little bit of role play, keeping amassing as many treasures as I possible, storing them up for some larger effect. Uh, we'll get to treasures in a little bit later in the deck tech. Uh, one other sub-theme, actually, before we get to that, that I like to do in my EDH decks are Planeswalkers, uh, specifically Planeswalkers that may not have enough variations or support cards to build their own Oathbreaker deck, um, and especially those that fit in particularly well with the theme. For example, a Johnny fits well into my green-white Cat Tribal deck since he's a Cat Planeswalker. Um, in this Pirates deck's case, you know, uh, from Exelon, you know, pirates came with a planeswalker of their own, uh, Angrath, our favorite Minotaur dad who's trapped on the middle by the immortal sun on Ixalan. Uh, he's had three versions printed so far, uh, one in Ixalan proper, one in the Ixalan pre-constructed decks, and one in War of the Spark. Um, I won't read everything on all of his cards, but there are a few specific standouts of his abilities that play into this deck. Angrath, the Flame Saint, is the main Angrath Planeswalker and has a minus three ability to active treason or steal uh, a creature from the opponent for the duration of the turn, sacrificing it if it is uh, smaller than three power at the end of the turn. Um, this is important because it can remove potential blockers and even, you know, help swing in, uh, maybe even remove further blockers if I steal something particularly big of theirs um, that you know, needs to be blocked, otherwise they die. Uh, Angrath, Minotaur Pirate, is the pre-constructed deck uh, Angrath, and it lets me reanimate a pirate uh, from the graveyard directly to the battlefield, which is pretty useful with his negative 3 ability. Uh, His plus 1 ability also lets us wipe a bunch of chump blockers from an opponent who maybe has a token stack going on. And then finally, the War of the Spark Angrath, Angrath Captain of Chaos, uh, has a static ability, as most of the uh, War of the Spark Planeswalkers did, to grant menace to all of our creatures, uh, which basically acts as a pseudo-enchantment that can be removed, um, but again, it makes my creatures harder to block in that case. Now, to go with Angrath, you know, I'm also including Angrath's Rampage, his signature spell from War of the Spark that is pretty decent removal. It forces an opponent to sacrifice either a creature, planeswalker, or artifact of my choice. Um, I choose which type there is, not which one gets sacrificed. Um, and then Angrath's Fury is the pre-constructed deck uh, tutor. So all the pre-con decks had a card to let them tutor up the one-off planeswalker in the deck. Angrath Fury is actually a nice three-for-one in that it destroys a creature the opponent controls, uh, bolts them for three damage, which is not nothing, uh, and it tutors up the set pre-constructed deck planes uh, version of Angrath. 
So, you know, if we're going with a nautical pirate theme here, Admiral Beckett Brass is our captain, uh, our first mate is Angrath, so we need a crew, right? Uh, important to any pirate's crew are scouts, people who scout ahead, try to find potential targets, and, you know, maybe they might be part of the, the boarding party, the raiders, right? So, you know, these are all creatures in my deck who have some form of evasion, um, as well as some of this, and, and, you know, it wouldn't be enough to just have evasion, you know, you also need to have kind of some additional uh, effect to pull your weight, so to speak. Um, the, the evasion is, of course, especially important with Admiral Beckett Brass' second ability uh, to, if I want to hit an opponent with at least three of my pirates, uh, making it so it's harder for them to block is important in this case. Um, as such, I also want to generally have lower CMC pirates so I can have swarm the board with pirates and overwhelm an opponent. Um, if I can't maybe have evasive or they have things that can block the evasive creatures, get around it, right, by seer numbers. So uh, the evasive creatures that I have in in mind. So I have a Siren Storm Tamer, um, single blue mana, flying, and also an emergency, you know, counter target spell or ability that targets a creature I control if I sacrifice it. Um, Spectral Sailor um, is a another single blue mana for a spirit pirate uh, with flash um, and flying, um, and then I can sink four mana in the draw cards, uh, which is nice if I'm you know kind of empty handed and I have a bunch of treasures on the field, for example. Uh, Daring Saboteur um, is for one in a blue. Uh, I can is a you know I can pay um, two in a blue uh, to make it unblockable for this one. So a bit of a mana sink I need to pay to make it unblockable. But when it does still combat damage, I can loot. Uh, you know, draw a card and then discard a card. Um, and having straight up unblockable isn't bad either. Uh, you know, Kite Sail Freebooter is actually a pretty decent card. Um, it's one in the black for one two, um, but with flying, which you know is pretty good. Um, it's actually pretty decent because I can also uh, make my opponent a revealer's card and then you know remove a non-creature, non-land card from it. So I can use it maybe you know pre-combat to maybe check the opponent and see, hey, do they have a combat trick or do they have some other sweeper that could potentially you know make it difficult for me to swing in effectively. Um, let's see, uh, Warkite Marauder is for one in the blue, it's a 2-1 flying pirate, um, it also can remove uh, a blocker, or make a blocker kind of irrelevant, um, by taking, making a target creature, the defending player, lose all its abilities and become an O, have O1 power and toughness, um, so the big hulking creature maybe that has reach, um, or, or something, or flying, um, I can get it out of the way and just swing in, um, you know, with Marauding, with Warkite Marauder and my other flyers. Uh, Slippery Scoundrel for two and a blue. Um, you know, it has Ascend, which is a, a ability from Rivals of Exelon. If I have ten or more permits, which is fairly easy, trivial to do in in, in EDH, really. Um, but as long as I have you know the city's blessing by by ascending, um, it has hexproof and strictly can't be blocked, which is pretty decent. Um, let's see. Uh, Stormfleet Sprinter is was a, a uncommon signpost card for one blue and a red. Um, pretty simple, two two with haste, and it cannot be blocked. Um, again, easy way to get in with unblockable damage to trigger uh, Admiral Beckett Brass. Um, let's see. We also have Dead Eye Brawler, uh, two two blue and black um, with death touch and ascent. So you know, and two and a four. So it's a pretty hefty body. Um, not strictly unblockable, but generally you don't really want to be blocking this, um, since it'll kill whatever big blocker that you have, effective blocker that you have, and small things can't really chump it. Um, but whenever it deals combat damage to a player, um, if I have the city's blessing because it also has ascent, I can draw a card, which is pretty nice. And finally, uh, Dreamcaller Siren is two blue blue for a Siren Pirate with Flash and Flying, um, and it can block only creatures with Flying, but not really relevant if I'm only going to be attacking with it. And also, when it ETBs, um, if I control another Pirate, which this deck has nothing but Pirates, um, I can tap up to two other target non-land permanents, potential blockers that the opponent might have.
Now, Dream Caller Siren is a nice bridge uh, from the scouts who attack with impunity um, and want to get in attacking, um, usually evasively, uh, to the lieutenants of the deck, right? So they're ones who are more powerful, the more pirates are around them, right? Or maybe they, they, they don't get more powerful themselves, but they are powerful that they make all the other pirates around them more powerful. Um, usually these require some form of attacking, you know, raid to encourage, you know, a more aggressive game plan. Um, so, you know, Direfeed Poisoner, for example, is uh, one in the black for a, essentially a combat trick on a, on a body, right? Uh, it can flash in uh, and has Death Touch, so I can, you know, block something if necessary. Or it can also, you know, target attacking Pirate Eye Control um, gets plus one, plus one, and Death Touch until end of turn. So, you know, if something attacks in and it gets blocked, well, okay, at the very least, it'll be able to take down whatever is blocking it with it, or maybe even survive it if that plus one, plus one becomes relevant. Uh, let's see, Dire Feet Captain uh, was another signpost uncommon um, for uh, Red and the Black. Um, it's a 2-2, but then whenever it attacks, for each other attacking pirate I control, which should be all of them, uh, it gets plus one, plus one. It gets pretty big. Fortunately, no trample, but hey, um, it's getting a big body out there it, it attacking can be pretty scary. and can draw a lot of aggro hate or defensive uh, blockers um, away from my other attackers. Um, and then let's see, Fathom Fleet Captain. It has menace, so it's already inherently, you know, evasive itself. But then for it's one in the black. But then whenever it attacks, if I control another non-token pirate, which again very easy in this deck, I may pay two mana, and if I do, I can create a two-two black pirate creature token with menace. So this kind of like even adds more menacing creatures to the board. Uh, four runner of the coalition is two and two in the black for a essentially a pirate two. I can search my deck for pirate and place it on top of the library, um, and then whenever pirate enters the battlefield, uh, I ping the opponent uh, for one. Um, which you know, the more pirates I have, then, then during the fight, the more this this pays off. Um, Lightning Rig Crew, you know, is you know not strictly attacking, right? So it's two in the red for essentially an O five wall, pretty good defender. Um, but it deals one damage to each opponent um, by tapping it, right? So it's essentially a pinger. Now, the thing is, whenever I cast a pirate spell, it untaps. So, you know, I can tap it, cast a spell, untap it, tap, cast another, uh, and then, you know, because I cast it, tap it again, cast another pirate, and then untap it again. This is an easy way to get lots of damage. And, you know, it deals to each opponent, so not just one. Um, now, keep this in mind, because we'll talk about Lightning Crew, Rig Crew later. Um, and finally, we also have... Uh, Dire Fleet Neckbreaker, who's pretty much another lord, two black and a red for a 3-2 pirate, who grants all other attacking pirates I have, plus 2, plus 0. So they're not big inherently, they have to be attacking to get bigger. Now, we also have these specialists. Pirates who kind of just do their own thing, they don't need to be around other pirates, they just kind of powerful effects on their own. Um, you know, these are generally in there more for their timeline being pirates, and, you know, EDH is a fun format, so, you know, having the bigger, funner, splashier effects that I want to try out as opposed to quote-unquote good stuff um, is really what, the, for me, EDH is about. So, after all, what pirate crew is a bunch of motley ragtag individuals who are a little bit unpredictable? Uh, so first up, we have a time stream navigator, which for one in the blue, you know, just a pirate one one, not nothing special, but when it ascends, um, you know, and, and I get the city's blessing, um, I can pay two blue and blue, put it on the bottom of its li of my of my library, and then take an extra turn after this one. So this is an extra turn, so for functionally, you know, six mana over split over multiple turns if I have the city's blessing. Um, this you know pretty fun pirate overall, and especially useful right if I'm able to with uh, Admiral Beckett Grass swing in with a bunch of my pirates, you know, then activate Time Stream Navigator, and then. Um, 
you know, un, uh, essentially get another combat set to steal even more stuff from my opponents. Um, okay, and then we have uh, Dire Fleet Daredevil. Uh, this is one in a red, uh, two one. Um, and essentially, when it, when it has first strike, whenever it enters the battlefield, I exile target instant or sorcery from the opponent's graveyard, and I can essentially cast that this turn, spending mana of any color, um, you know, to, to cast it, um, and then exile on the card. You know, so basically like a, a snap caster mage on a pirate, but for my opponent's stuff, not my stuff. Now, this really depends on the strength of my opponent's graveyards and what instant or sorceries they have in there. I mean, if, if I could even just snipe, like, a pretty decent removal spell, not bad. Um, no, it's not really a flash thing, so I have to do it on my turn, unfortunately. But, um, you know, Dire Fleet Daredevil is, 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 you know, pretty splashy and, and scales with the table, which is always fun. Um, let's see, Glint Horn Buccaneer is for one red and red, a Minotaur Pirate with haste. Uh, whenever the, I discard a card, it deals one damage to each opponent. And for one in the red, I can discard a card and draw a card. And, you know, it can only activate it when it's attacking. So, again, playing in with the with the aggressive uh, um, uh, feel of the deck. Um, again, keep an eye on this one. Uh, we're going to, um, you know, talk about it later alongside Lightning Ray Crew. And then there's, let's see, Ruin Raider, two in a black. It's essentially a raid contingent bob. Um, you know, at the end of our end, at the, at our end step, we can draw a card, and then if, if we attack that turn, and then we're forced to lose the life equal to the CMC of the card in question. So, again, bob is a powerful magic card, so having it be a pirate is, is pretty fun. Uh, Protean Raider, one blue and red. Uh, it's a raid contingent clone. If I attack, I can clone whatever creature on the board, so not even just pirates. Um, but, you know, worst case scenario is a pirate on its own. Uh, hostage taker, two blue and a black. Uh, pretty nice to be able to ETB and then steal an artifact or a creature, not just like Kaisal Freebooter, which just kind of stays hidden until you know the, the creature is removed. But uh, I can actually cast the spell myself, so steal the best thing from my opponent's uh, of board. Um, let's see, Marauding Looter, two blue and a red. It's a little bit weak. I might actually cut this eventually. Um, but it is a raid contingent looter. I, you know, at the at the end at my end I can draw a card and discard a card if I attack that turn. Um, and then Dire Fleet Ravager, three black and black, um, pretty pretty uh, evasive with you know menace and death huts. But a really spicy effect is that when it enters the battlefield, um, everyone loses uh, one third, I believe, of all of our, all of our lives. Um, so that's like a pretty big, could be a potentially a pretty big life swing. Um, and again, super evasive body with menace and death touch. And then finally, Angrat's Raiders for five red and the red. Pretty ex the most expensive card in the deck, I believe. Um, it was, but it, it's a pretty powerful. If a source I control would deal damage to a permanent or player, um, it deals damage that damage double that damage instead. Um, so you know, call him the explosive expert. Um, he's just you know making everyone deal tons tons of crazy damage. Plus, you know, it also goes with the Angrat theme that I have in the deck. Now, you know, in addition to these kind of standouts by themselves, I have some other legendary pirates. Again, I want to focus on as many legendaries as I can in my decks. Uh, I don't know in our pirate crew analogy if these would be, if Angrath is the uh, first mate, who these would be. Maybe they're other officers, or, you know, if we have a fleet of ships, they could be captains of their own ships. Uh, anyway, so far, you know, in the deck, I have Carrie Zev, Sky Sip Raider. He's a Kaladesian pirate uh, for one in the red, and with, she has a 1 3 first striking menace creature, so. Pretty hard to block effectively, especially in the early turns. Um, but even better, she comes with Ragavan, uh, who is a 2-1 uh, red monkey that attacks um, as she attacks and then uh, exiles at the end of combat, but keeps coming back. Um, so, you know, what's not to love? It's a recurring monkey. Um, and then Captain Landry Storm for 2 in a red. Uh, when she attacks, is a hasty 2-2 two -two that makes a treasure, but then she can also sack treasures to pump her power by 1. 
Now, Captain Landry Storen is a pretty good bridge to the part of the crew who's responsible for finding the booty, aka the treasure hunters. Uh, Dockside Extortionist is one in the red uh, for a, uh, you know, it's a very in-demand card um, that basically is a goblin pirate that when it enters the battlefield, I create X treasure tokens uh, where X is the number of artifacts and enchantments my opponent's control, which three opponents is, is already going to be pretty big, plus the fact that a lot of people spend their early turns setting up either powerful enchantments, maybe a stack deck, or more 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 likely some sort of ramp through mana rocks, you know, soul rings, mana cups, uh, signets, command spheres, arcane signets, and so on. Um, Dockside Extortions is going to net me a ton of mana uh, in the form of treasure. Uh, Ruthless Knave, you know, two in a B, or two in a black, uh, makes treasures out of my crewmates by sacrificing them. Uh, so perhaps, you know, I attack, they, they, they blew me out by, you know, blocking out as I expected, or they flashed in some creatures. Well, I can sacrifice those, you know, blockers who would have died, you know, meaninglessly anyway uh, to Ruthless Knave in order to uh, create some treasures. Um, and then worst case scenario, I can use those treasures uh, to draw cards by sacrificing three of them. Uh, after all, knowledge is the greatest treasure of all. Um, and then Pitiless Plunderer, which is for three in a black, uh, makes treasures whenever creatures I control die, um, which is pretty bad, which makes me feel less bad, not only about attacking without abandon, uh, you know, my, my small pirates into big things, but can also, uh, you know, make a Ruthless Knave, who's sacrificing people to make treasures, uh, you know, even, even more likely uh, to want to sacrifice them to get even more treasures. Um, and finally, Deadeye Plunderers for three blue and a black. Uh, he gets bigger with each artifact, i.e. treasure, I control. And they can also slowly generate treasures themselves, though you know, uh, it's, it takes about four mana per turn to do so. Now, in addition to people who are looking for treasure, I, of course, have other ways to use treasure. Um, and, and other ways, to, you know, not, not creatures that make treasure as well. Uh, the big payoff is, of course, Revel of Inventions. For four in the black, this is an enchantment. Uh, that is the big treasure trade-off, and that it gives me an auto-win at the beginning of my upkeep if I have at least 10 treasures. It kind of acts as wipe insurance, so that I, you know, because if, if my creatures all get wiped, I get a bunch of treasures, and then beginning my next upkeep, I end up winning. Um, it also disincentivizes chump blocking, because um, if I swing my creature and then, you know, um, they end up, uh, you know, you know, killing it with, with something. You know, I end up making treasure that could potentially win. So I end up swinging in and able to get in to enable the Beckett Brass ability. Uh, treasure map for two mana is a you know pretty good uh, glue piece to kind of like you know scry out the answers in my deck. Um, and then eventually, uh, you know, it turns into a burst of you know three quick treasure. Um, I can, you know, that flips over uh, to uh, Treasure Cove, um, where I can sacrifice treasures to draw cards. Um, you know, uh, let's see. Uh, Storm the Vault um, is a you know another double-sided uh, enchantment. Um, whenever one or more uh, for two red, blue, and a red, for whenever one or more creatures I control attack or deals combat damage, which I already want to be doing anyway, I create a colorless treasure token. Um, and so if I have at least five or more artifacts, which again pretty easy to do with treasures, it flips over um, into Vault of Cataclan, who you know I can add tap one to pay one mana of any color to my mana pool, or I can add blue mana equal to each artifact I control, um, which if I have a lot of treasure, it can be a lot of mana in, in one go. Um, it's, it's kind of like a, a my, build my own Tolarian Academy. Um, you know, contract killing, pretty simple kill spell uh, at sorcery speed, three black and black. This destroy target creature, create two, tre two treasures. 
um, spell swindle, you know, similarly, three blue and a blue, uh, counter target spell, um, and then create X colorless treasure artifact, uh, treasures basically. Um, so, you know, the bigger the spell I block, uh, the, uh, the, the, or counter, the, the more treasure I get off. Um, and then Vassal's Bounty for seven mana, six in the red. Uh, for each land I control, I create a treasure, um, basically. So it's another way to get, like, burst, uh, treasure for Revelin, which is most likely, um, depending on how much land I have uh, out there, which is going to be a lot. Um, now, you know, pi treasure effects aren't the only tricks in our pirate's arsenal, of course. Um, Vance's Blasting Cannon, who maybe it'll make a legendary card for Vance at some point. Um, but, you know, at, at the beginning of my upkeep, I exile the top card from my library. If it's a non-land card, I can cast that card this turn. Essentially, you know, impulsive drawing each turn. And if I've cast three spells in a single turn, which is easy to do with my low-cost uh, low cost pirates, um, it flips into Spitfire with Bastion. I can add red mana, or I can pay two in a red and then uh, deal three damage to target creature or opponent. So uh, on every turn, sock is, is pretty good or sorry bolt is pretty good uh walk the plank um hopefully i don't run into any merfolk decks but for black and the black to be able to you know destroy a non-merfolk creature um with a cool pirate sounding name is is, is just uh, too much to pass up for this um, Fiery Cannonade, two in the red. It's a pretty simple uh, deal two damage to each non-pirate creature. Honestly, no. It's a, it, it's more like a one-sided uh, board wipe against small things, though it can also make combat math a little bit trickier um, if things got blocked. Um, or maybe the Centipire's blocks if I, you know, pre-damage everything um, so that they don't that they don't want to take more damage. Um, you know, Pillar of Origins is two mana, a pretty standard mana rock for tribal decks. I'm obviously going to be naming Pirate here. Um, Captain's Hook for three mana is a equipment, which is great for all the stealing effects that I have, where I steal the creature in question to make them a pirate uh, to count for Admiral back at Vass, and then I kill them uh, whenever I remove the equipment from the creature before returning it, or even after returning it, it's still equipped. If I return it, you know, un unequipped it, then it ends up killing the creature for a single mana. Plus, you know, if I attach to one of my, my own pirates, it can give them menace uh, if necessary. And finally, all pirates need a, a, a ship. Um, there were a couple of pirate ships in uh, in Ixalan, by and just including one uh, fell flagship for three mana. Um, pirates I control get plus one plus zero. That doesn't need to be a, a creature in order to do that; just kind of a static ability. Um, and then whenever I crew it for three mana, if it deals combat damage to opponent, that opponent discards a card. Um, honestly, probably not going to crew it up too much to be honest, um, but it's still nice to uh, be able to have that uh, Lord effect uh, in play. Now, up to this point, I've been talking about cards uh, that were printed prior to Commander Legends. Um, if you add in the 36 lands, which are pretty basic, you know, budget mana base, uh, through an unclaimed territory and Path of Ancestry to help with the, the mana base, that puts us at 84 cards. So that leaves us 16 cards from Commander Legends to be added to the deck. And so which 16 did I add in and which 16 did I remove from the deck? Well, first off, we have actually someone not from Commander Legends, but rather from the Jumpstart uh, pre-con decks. This is the Corsair Captain, uh, two in a blue. Uh, it's another Pirate Lord, granting uh, plus one, plus one to all pirates, um, or all other pirates, rather. And he also gives us a treasure token, uh, which fits nicely into that theme. Um, so he kind of plays both angles of the deck. Uh, next up, as always, I include all legendary pirates where possible. Uh, first up, Captain Vargas Wrath for blue and a red. Gives attacking pirates plus one plus one for each time Beckett Press has been cast. Probably won't be cast a lot, but it's still a plus one plus one boost on a bunch of bodies that is not insignificant at all. Um, let's see, Ghost of Ramirez de Pietro for two and a blue is 
not doing a ton with his second ability of, you know, returning discarded or mill cards to their owner's hands. Um, but he is a quasi-unblockable creature against, uh, I believe, smaller creatures. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, sorry, against bigger creatures, so it cannot be blocked by creatures with toughness uh, three or greater, uh, which means that, uh, you know, he's either going to be with his two power killing something, um, or uh, he is going to be, um, or he's going to be going in unblockable, basically. Um, so, you know, he's a quasi-unblockable pirate who's legendary, he kind of sits in the deck. Uh, Zara, Renegade Rat Recruiter for three blue and a red, is a flying pirate who is doing a lot uh, in that uh, he can temporarily steal a creature from my opponent's hand and has it attack. Um, you know, being a flying pirate also adds a lot to what she's already offering. Um, and then we have Dargo, the Sipwrecker, for 6 in the red. It's pretty much just a dumb big body that can come down for cheap by sacrificing uh, artifacts or creatures, which I'm already doing uh, to sacrifice treasure to, to pay for stuff. Um, and adding Trample on him on a big body makes it easy that he, for him to be able to push damage through uh, to help with Beckett Brass. And finally, my favorite pirate pair, Malcolm and Breaches um, from Exelon. Sadly, unlike Partner With, they can't tutor each other up. But in any case, Breaches uh, fits into what Beckett Brass is wanting to do with pirates. Um, you know, by having, uh, you know, if, I, if pirates I have connect with opponents, I'm able to steal the top of their libraries to cast those spells. And Malcolm, you know, similarly, will generate mana uh, to cast those spells. Uh, and the treasure also plays into my treasure subtheme. Now, a brief tangent here. I, earlier I talked about coming back to Lightning Recruit and Horn, Glenhorn Buccaneer. Um, now, Malcolm and Breach specifically don't care about combat damage, unlike Beckett Brass. They just care about any damage. So the pinging effects of both Lightning Recruit and Glenhorn Buccaneer, if you've probably seen it online, combos really well with these, especially against multiple, multiple players. Glenhorn Buccaneer, for example, right? Costs one in the red to discard a card and deal and draw a card to ping each opponent for one. With Malcolm out specifically, and three other opponents, we pay one in the red, so two mana, to make three treasures and deal one damage to everyone, right? One for each opponent gives us three damage total, gives us three treasures. Then that's just one, that, that's just one additional mana. Pay two of those mana, we get essentially infinite mana as we have cards in the deck, and deal as much damage as we have cards in the deck to kind of cycle through this. Um, now, granted, this does put us at risk of, you know, decking ourselves out, but, you know, if we're able to take out a couple of opponents or, you know, most opponents are, cl are close there, we could potentially win the game on the spot. Um, and let's see, Lightning Recruit is kind of a less of an engine is that it's limited by whatever we have in our hand. Um, but, um, you know, the treasure generated by Malcolm lets us pretty comfortably cast those pirates um, and, and get through a bunch. Now, there are a couple other pirates, you know, from Commander Legends who help with treasure generation. Uh, Impulsive Pulfer for a single red mana, whenever it dies, creates a treasure token. Um, and then I can encode it for four mana to, to create even uh, more red, to create even more uh, treasures. Now, Hole Breacher is kind of one of the most talked about cards from Commander Legends, if, since he can flash in, and then if an opponent would draw extra cards, aside from the initial card they draw, they draw each turn, I make treasure tokens, um, you know, uh, so, you know, that basically is, is super powerful. It's super expensive too. It's like 20 bucks. Uh, I wouldn't spend that on its own. I'm just lucky that I happened to open one in my box. So that's why it's getting into the deck. Otherwise I wouldn't have bothered. Um, again, I don't, I, this, these decks are meant to be fun, but not necessarily break the bank. Right. Um, just mostly from what I've opened. Um, and then Fathom Fleet Swordzak for three in the red doesn't really make treasures himself, 
but it does take advantage of the treasures I have lying around uh, to deal damage whenever he attacks uh, someone equal to the number of treasures that I happen or artifacts, i.e. treasure I happen to control. Pretty pricey if I encore him up with a large treasure chest already built up as he'll attack all opponents and, and maybe even just kind of burn them out. Uh, and then finally, we have the plot, the pirates that uh, play into the evasive aggro plan that Beckett Brass kind of encourages. Um, so Coastline Marauders, uh, for two in the red is a 0-3, not particularly impressive, but whenever it attacks, it gets power equal to the number of lands that the defending a player has. At the end of the game, when commander players have, you know, 10... 15, 20 lands, you know, in play. Um, that can get absurdly large pretty quickly and trample, right? You know, even if there's only three toughness, trample's definitely going to be able to get through. Um, and an encore, again, helps in the late game if he dies early. Uh, Kaishil Skirmisher for three in the blue uh, is a flyer that makes another pirate I control uh, that's attacking also have flying. So he's able to get around uh, my, my otherwise non-evasive threats become finally evasive. And again, doing it you know, late in the game with encores is pretty nice as well. Um, Amphim Mutineer for a 3 in the blue doesn't strictly make it so that my opponents have no blockers, but it can functionally shrink down a problematic creature from you know an 8-8 eight, eight to like a 4-3, which is a little bit more manageable. A coercive Recruiter for a 4 in the red. Uh, similarly, uh, you know, you know, uh, well, it can can basically remove blockers and even you know add to my pirate count uh, for Beckett Brass to do work by stealing opponents' creatures and having them attack their owners, right? Um, and then similarly, you know, uh, Merchant Raiders for three and a blue uh, locks down potential blockers whenever I cast a pirate, similar to how Curse of Irate. Uh, recruiter happens when I play pirates um, to essentially permanently tap down creatures at least until Merchant Raiders uh, you know leaves the battlefield which is again pretty big game to remove a lot of blockers that way if I'm constantly playing a bunch of cheap pirates uh, Port Razor finally for three red and a red gives me extra combat steps if Port Razor is able to connect with a different opponent each combat so I can do this a couple ways right I could either uh, you know if I'm able to connect with all if I'm able to connect with all three players that's able to give me three apartments. So, you know, attack one player with three pirates, one of them being a port razor, they're able to all get through. Great. Um, I'm able to see one of the apartments. I get another combat step. I repeat that for opponent number two. And then if I do that again, reset the combat and do that for opponent three and steal three permanents that way. The other way that you do is I could have a grudge against one particular player, or maybe they're really low and just need a little bit more power to push through. What I could do is negotiate politically to be, okay, swing three at this player, right? Uh, Port Razor attacks, comes back. Swing all my creatures except Port Razor at that same player to deal all the damage again, especially if I've removed their blockers or cleared out their blockers with the first attack and negotiate with the other player. Hey, let me hit you with Port Razor for four to attack this other player. Um, so yeah, that, that, get, that can be get pretty spicy. Now, these new recruits uh, obviously have to take the bunks of some people who were already in the deck. Um, so who ended up leaving? Well, the easiest cut was Rapacious Dragon from one of the core sets. It just creates two treasures. I was only honestly keeping it there mostly for the treasure theme, but given we got new treasure payoffs and there's just a plethora of, of, of pirate cards, then it makes sense to keep a, a dragon in the deck. Um, sim now, there were pirates who, who did generate treasure just by entering the battlefield. These were uh, Sailor of Means, Brazen, Brazen Freebooter, and Prosperous Pirates. The other, I think the other abilities scale a little bit better with EDH and that they can, you know, create more treasures or have, you know, additional, better additional effects. Um, so these kind of like fell and essentially got outclassed. 
um, you know, Prying Blade uh, does go well with the idea of dealing direct combat damage to your player and then making treasures, but it's the ceiling kind of low in that I need to be able to hitting, be hitting already. It just makes one single treasure and it costs mana to play it and equip, and it's slow and conditional. So, you know, it, it's not doing a lot when there are other ways to make treasure faster. Uh, similarly, Pirate Pillage, you know, is a little bit costly. Um, I just essentially draw two cards, um, and even then, it doesn't really make treasure uh, for me. So, you know, or it doesn't even draw cards; it kind of replaces cards for me. So, um, it, even if it does make treasure, I think Pirate Pillage is like a little bit slow, a little bit too expensive. Um, now, Grant, now if you remember, I started making this deck off of the my draft staff from Ixalan, right? So I had, you know, March from the Drown, Buccaneers Bravado, Siren's Ruse, Pirate's Cutlass. These are all commons and uncommons that care about pirates and the pirate subtype, which obviously at my first pass of the deck fit in. But as I have more cards, these kind of get outclassed in ED8s. Um, again, combat tricks are cute, um, but doesn't really scale up to what ED8s is capable of doing. Uh, Dead Eye Tracker is a pirate, but it's a rare. It is a rare pirate, but um, you know, I think it, it, it's mostly more meta call, right? If I was playing in a in a meta that had a lot of consistent graveyard shenanigans, I wanted exile cards. Dead Eye Tracker definitely fits in because I can essentially pay uh, two mana to exile two cards from an opponent's graveyard. So that's an easy way to hate out on the on the graveyard player. But um, in a more general sense, it's not really quite as powerful. It's a lot more slow. Um, let's see. Dowsing Dagger is a flavorful card for pirates, right? It's like a, it's a dagger that they're holding. Um, it's, it's also nice politically where I can like give one opponent who needs the help blockers, right? Uh, two O2, uh, blockers with a defender, give my creature that big, especially if it's evasive. And then, you know, if the equipped creature deals combat damage, I can transform it and then basically create a lost veil, uh, to add three mana of any one color. I only think I need the ramp to be honest because I have a lot of treasures already. So, um, the payoff isn't as great here for the of like it's tenuously at best pirately pirate flavored uh rowdy crew for two red and red is a mythic pirate uh with trample when it enters the battlefield i can draw three cards and discard two cards essentially netting even um but the, the two are discarded at random and if you know they say a card type that i put two plus one plus one counters on rowdy crew the ceiling here is not that high right a five five or a five five trampling card that draw that essentially I, I was able to dig a couple cards deeper um but and then the the downside is I I accidentally discard a really powerful piece in my hand. Uh, so you know I don't think the ceiling quite is here for Rowdy Crew. Um, Admiral's Moose is one of the harder cuts I made. Um, it might make its way back in. It has it's essentially a, you know a, a cancel right one red, blue and blue to to counter a spell. But if it's on my turn and I already attacked, so especially mid combat, this is really useful. It turns into a single blue mana for a counter spell um, unconditionally. Might I add? So uh, this is super powerful. It essentially fits with Beckett Grass uh, as the commander giving an order. Uh, Captivating Crew is another tough crew cut to make and might make its way back in. Um, for three and a red, uh, it's a four three, you know, rare pirate. But then another three and a red, I essentially can active treason until end of turn. And the fact that I have this much mana to be able to, uh, if I really get a lot of mana to do is I can clear out an opponent's board and swing with all the creatures to remove them, basically, right? Um, so, you know, if, if the player is gone, I don't have to return the creature at end of turn. Um, so yeah, Captivating Crew is, uh, is, is might like be way to get back in and um, be able to uh, repeatable remove blockers. Um, as opposed to, you know, Merchant Raiders and Coercive Recruiter who, granted, are, you know, removing blockers by me casting pirates. But if I'm out of pirates in hand, they don't do much. So... 
Uh, the final tough cut was uh, Fathom Fleet Cutthroat, uh, which is three in a black uh, for a human pirate. It enters the battlefield. I destroy target creature and opponent control that was dealt damage this turn. This is pretty spicy because I can swing in my creatures. They block something with something bigger. Um, I can kind of snipe them out of nowhere by bring, putting this guy in after combat and killing something that just took even just one damage or two damage um, on a relatively larger thing. That's pretty pretty spicy, I think. So that's everything that's made it into the deck. Um, I'm, you know, I, I as I as I mentioned in my last episode, I opened a lot of pirate cards from uh, my pools uh, in in Commander Legends. So I have most, not all, but most of these cards already. And you know, I'll, I'll probably be updating my deck to get some games in with it. Uh, now there are cards from Pirate uh, Commander Legends I did not include. So let me talk about why real quick. Um, first up, we have a uh, Azure Fleet uh, Admiral, Crimson Fleet Commodore, and Emberwild Captain. These are all pirates that grant the monarchy, um, and some of them have. Effects. Now, monarchy is a great mechanic for multiplayer. That said, for me as a magic player, I want to kind of make the cards I'm including my EDH, my EDH decks as unique as possible from each other. And I try to avoid having good stuff cards that kind of fit into every deck, with a couple of exceptions, right? Commander Sphere, Command Tower, Arcane Signet, uh, if I have enough copies, Pillar of Origins for tribal decks. But uh, otherwise, I want to keep mechanically a very pure idea. And if the if, if the mechanic here is is purely focused on you know being very aggressive, you know, monarchy doesn't necessarily approve that. If I want to have blockers back to protect myself, right? Um, and so I I'm, I'm planning on making a monarch deck down the line. So you know these cards will probably fit in there, but they won't fit in the pirate deck even if they do have the type line. Uh, boarding Party um, is a Cascade Pirate for a 5 and a red. Uh, haste 6-3 with Cascade, uh, where I can essentially flip cards over to, you know, play whatever the first non-land card I, I, I play. Um, pretty good in this deck in that most of my cards, in fact, I think almost all my cards except one, basically fall under, one or two fall under this, uh, fall, no, two or three fall under him. But the issue here is that it's just a little slow, right? Like six mana to like cascade once. Not really want to do for a constructed that. It definitely has its place in limited, but not necessarily constructed. Uh, and then finally, Trove Tracker is the last Encore Pirate um, that essentially draws a card when it dies. Uh, you know, it doesn't really play into the evasive plan. It doesn't really ha play into the treasure plan. So, you know, even though it does scale up okay with Encore down the line, it just isn't playing into what I'm trying to do, even if it does have the, the Timeline Pirate. So that's why that didn't get included. Anyway, that is my pirate deck. Um, again, I've got to pick up a few more cards from online sellers, but I'm really looking forward to getting games with, with the new and improved version 2.0 of Adam and back at Brass. Um, you know, let me know what you think. Did I make any, did I make all the right inclusions from Commander Legends? Did I miss some that should be included otherwise? Are there, are there other cards from other blocks that might fit in flavorfully or, or mechanically? How would you take the deck in a different direction than, than I did? Are there any other, you know, other, other hidden gems I should consider? Uh, let me know on Twitter at EtherVortexPod or on email at IntoTheEtherVortex at gmail.com. Um, with this podcast coming to its resolution slowly, uh, you can make sure you check out uh, us on uh, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Leave a review on any of those podcast stores or on Podchaser.com. Links in the show notes. Uh, my architect with this particular deck list uh, and all my others will be found at, uh, under the username NinjaBoy, Boy with an I, again, linked in the show notes. And I also stream Magic Arena some Fridays uh, at NinjaBoy333 on Twitch. Music uh, and intro and outro music is provided by Kevin MacLeod. Find his stuff at incompetech.filmmystery.io. Editing and production is provided by NinjaBoy Media. Uh, once again, we'll be on holiday for the rest of the year until January 15th. So enjoy your holidays, enjoy your spell table, uh, EDH games or whatever, Magic Arena, uh, and have a happy new year till then. Until then, may your lands be plentiful, but not too plentiful. 
Pasteur 呢。